Hello, thank you for joining me. This is Ernestine Lyons, host of Quick to Politic, the podcast, the social commentary show that explores topics ranging from social justice to history, economics, small business, and of course, local and national politics. Thank you for joining me. recording thank you so much for joining me oh my goodness oh my goodness and we're the same age um and i i was i was looking i was noticing like in one of your videos uh it said 1986 or something and i'm like wait a minute all right all right so um yeah it's like us young folks like millennials can be out here you know really making a real big change um and like, like you were saying you know you're not really into politics to me i got involved because I feel so strongly about things. I'm not some polished politician and, you know, but I'm a person who believes in just getting things done by collaborating with people. Because at the end of the day, I'm fighting these fights for people. And, you know, my my community here in Harper Woods, which is, you know, right next to Detroit, um, we ended our recycling program um, mm. last year. It was last year and I got on council prior to me getting on council in November of last year, they ended our recycling program. Um, And I tried to like have brainstorming sessions and, and, you know, try to meet with other people and say like, okay, well, is there a way we can partner with, you know, Detroit to do some of these things and, you know, there wasn't enough. there weren't enough resources for us to be able to to do these sort of things and so people were just throwing away their recyclables now Mm. and it really it breaks my heart every time and you know um i know that you have like this this um sort of you know just just focus on doing really outlandish things to show people what they can really do and how they can really step up, like wearing your trash um, to, to, to show people the impact of our carbon footprint. And then also looking at how, you know, we're throwing things away. So I really wanted to be able to delve into some questions um, that I've been actually asking at the legislative level, because in addition to working as a city councilwoman, um, I started working with the Michigan legislature as a uh, community and policy liaison. So I've been working with environmental groups in Michigan um, to be able to, you know, really push the needle. And I know our governor actually just had a big giant executive order that was like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make sure that we're a sustainable state. And I'm like, yay! <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. Um, I really, first I'm going to go ahead and introduce you um, and then just we can just jump right into like a candid conversation, free flowing. Um, So Rob Greenfield is a adventurer, environmental activist and entrepreneur, um, and he's dedicated to leading um, the way in more sustainable, you know, creating a more sustainable and a more just world. And um, he's made it his life's purpose to inspire healthy, like a healthy earth and having, you know, kind of these attention grabbing things. Um, And you founded the Greenfield Group in um, 2011. Um, to to create more sustainably and environmentally active marketing, um, is that right? Did I, did I get that back right? Yeah, that was that's correct. 
Awesome, awesome. So, so some of these um, extreme antics that um, you know kind of are about environmental um, initiatives um, include the the Trash Me campaign. Um, you know, wearing all of your trash in New York in 2016 um, to to show that after a month, this is how much garbage. And I believe what was it about? Um, 10 pounds worth of garbage or something in that 90 90 pounds oh, oh my yep. god that the is average, another person the average person creates about four and a half pounds of trash per day so after a month i had 90 pounds of trash on my body 90 pounds of trash that is crazy that is as what but that is really just like um so uh, this is this is what we we can do we can get rid of some of these things and get back to the basics and so you know Rob is really about inviting us to commit to, you know, daily changes and some of these little things that we can do to foster a more sustainable environment and be the change that we seek to see in the world. Thank you so much, Rob Greenfield, for being here with me. Um, it's my pleasure. <laughs> having I'm this chat. It already. Yeah. All right. So, um, you know, where, where can people find you and what are some ways that, you know, people can seek you to, to find out more about what parts they can play and what roles they can play in, in keeping our planet green and doing better? Sure. Well, it's all about, you know, looking at your personal situation and asking what you can do. So we all live in, you know, different communities. We all have our own individual circumstances and lives. And so, um, it's always about asking that question of what you can do to be of service to your communities and uh, at the same time, improve your own quality of life. And so, you know, for me, one of the ways of doing that is changing yourself. I think no matter what position that you're in, whether you're, you know, a politician or a teacher or an activist or a student or any position, you know, one thing that we can do is we can we can work on ourselves to be the change that we wish to see in the world. But then we can also do our part to improve our communities as well. So I guess one resource I would direct people to is um, when I started to make positive changes in my life, my goal was just to make one positive change per week for two years, because that would be 100 positive changes in two years. And I list those on my website. If you go to robgreenfield.org slash 100, just the number 100, um, that lists 100 positive changes that that you can make as a and as a way to get started. Okay, awesome. Awesome. So, you know, and, and that was that was something that was really inspiring to me because um, you know, there, I really have gotten into minimalism and, and it's mostly because of watching you and like other YouTubers um, who have, you know, they're, they're all about being a minimalist because you want to lessen the impact of your carbon footprint and being a minimalist because you want to make things simple and sustainable. Um, and so, you know, I just kind of have a tracker for not only, you know, things that I want to be able to do, but then when I heard your TED talk about like one thing and I'm like, all right, that one thing is not only me becoming a minimalist and kind of swapping out, you know, having these zero waste swaps, like actually using a glass or like my travel container that is made out of metal um, and never using plastic bottles again and bringing my own shopping bag. But I also really want to be able to, in my community as a council person, create a sustainability commission. Um, and, you know, that way we can check and see if our buildings are creating a lot of energy waste. So um, I think that is that is just definitely, you know, 
that list is a great way to kind of build on it. And it's like you accomplish that thing, you feel good and you're like, all right, I'm creating some good for the planet. All right. Yep. So um, that kind of leads me into my first question for you. Why sustainability? what got you started down this path? And even though I know a lot about this because you know you said you started watching documentaries and reading books about the topic and you just really got into it. Um, why is this not a topic that more people are making their lives revolve around? And you know, you, we have you and we have people like Greta Thunberg and you know, we only have one planet with finite resources. Why is this your life's calling? And you know, why do you think that it is that others don't see the severity in climate change and, you know, really pushing for sustainability and doing our part to make the planet better? Yeah, well, I, the, the reason that I focus on it is because it is life. I mean, there's no separating our very earth, which is our very existence from from anything, political, social, whether it's, you know, business or pleasure, you know, our existence really comes down to whether or not we have an earth to exist on and whether or not we have the basic resources that we need in order to not just survive, but to live happy, healthy, fulfilling lives. So it's it's very easy to leave these things out because we've taken them we've taken them for granted today. Um, we're, we're quite, you know, as a society, we're very disconnected from our resources. And so we don't see where our water comes from. We don't see the pollution so much. We don't see where our food comes from, how it gets to us, the impact that it has on other people. So the truth is that most of the burden is being outsourced elsewhere because of our globalized industrialized systems. And so we don't have to see it. So it's very easy to forget about it. Um, so basically the reason that I am so dedicated to it is because it is our very basic existence. It's at the core of, of so many of our problems. And then ironically, something that is at the core of our problems is very easy to forget about because we, we happen to live on a, a time on this earth where our systems are set up in a way where we have our basic needs met, sort of, um, and we can not pay attention to the reality behind our actions. Right, right, because when it becomes something like, I remember you said this um, in one of the videos, looks like when you have to put forth little effort, you don't think about it, but then when you have to put forth a lot of effort, like, for example, having, you know, to compo compost, you know, your own waste. And if you go to the bathroom and you are, you know, maybe foraging rainwater and you're using that and then you have to go and compost it and you're putting out so much effort. It's like, and those are things that when you really get back to it and, you know, in a lot of developing um, emerging markets and developing economies, this is the way that people live and have lived for generations. And so, you know, but it's like having this kind of modern lifestyle where everything's out of sight and out of mind, it does take you away from the impact of what you're putting into the planet so I think that's really salient and it's something that you know more people just need that general education around and um so I really think that um I, I appreciate like the level of introspection that you've also had um during these times where you know there's been a lot of social upheaval. So not only have we, you know, really been fighting this this war for a really long time for, you know, to make sure that we're we're protecting our planet, 
But, you know, in 2020, you know, we had a lot of our um, systems kind of writ large, meaning, you know, it, it's just, it's out here, it's clear. There are social determinants of health that, you know, we need to take into consideration. There are disparities as far as, you know, just, um, you know, people coming from different backgrounds and different understandings. And, and I think that a lot of the social justice um, Conver uh, the social justice conversations that were happening, um, you were very candid on social media and you were talking about um, just, just having the country really examine the impact of systemic injustice, um, which is something that, you know, I've been personally fighting for to make sure that, you know, we're having conversations around anti-racism and having cultural diversity and sensitivity training um, in in my own community and in the Metro Detroit area, um, looking at you know ways to reform police. But I really want to talk about your crusade and uplifting um, marginalized voices, um, particularly of Black women. And I really appreciated that, which is how I I commented on your post and you liked it. And I'm like, oh, he's a real person who actually liked it, and you know I really appreciated that. And um, you know, I was really happy to see that you were also um, giving voice to, you know, the anti-racism movements um, and talking about um, social justice in America. And, you know, that was how we connected on social media. So, you know, what are some of your thoughts on, um, just just tell us a little bit more about, you know, ha having those, those moments where you had to think deeply about, you know, the way you've always thought and how you wanted to change for the better. Yeah, well, the thing is, we live in a time where we like to separate ideas and we like things to be clear and simple. But the truth is that is that everything is, you know, everything is interconnected. So environmental destruction and destruction of humanity are completely hand in hand. Environmental justice and social justice, racial justice are, you know, completely inseparable. It's a lot of the environmental problems that we deal with today are at the root of uh, many of the problems that different groups of, of humanity are dealing with. And, and our racist systems are based in a way that, you know, puts most of the burden of our environmental destruction on, you know, around the world, generally black, indigenous and different people of color communities. And so, there's just there's just no separate any of these things. And I, I do think in the environmental movement, people do like to separate them because I mean, the reality is, is that it's a lot easier to talk about uh, cleaning up our oceans than anti-racism. And and it's it's easier for the average person like our age to talk about straws you know, getting rid of plastic straws and plastic bottles. They gotta go, right? Yeah, then anti-racism and, and racism. And, and it does require, to go into that requires you to look into yourself a lot more as well. Like environmental issues do require you to look into yourself, but not nearly as much as how you're treating other people. And equally or more importantly, how you are involved in systems that are, not empowering other people, but actually decreasing the quality of life in those communities and not equitably spreading resources. So I guess for me, like one of the big things is always about not using lab, not trying to create a system of labels, not trying to separate issues, but realize that everything is, everything is interconnected. 
everything on earth and everything within humanity is completely connected. And I mean, for me personally, I, I this year realized that I was separating them too much. Um, even though I knew better, I was focusing, like, you know, I realized that my focus on environmental issues was being done in a way where I was mostly highlighting initiatives that were led by white people that were more beneficial to white people. And I realized that I really should be focusing on environmental is issues that are representative of, of our, our, our greater humanity and environmental issues that are uplifting the people that are the most impacted by the destruction of our westernized, globalized societies. So, you know, I think that right now the most, one of the most important things that we can do is uplift, you know, initiatives that are led by people of color and especially women of color, because if we want to take down this broken patriarchal racist society, I think the best way to do that is to put the power into the hands of, of people of color and, and women of color in particular. And I think the track record's proven that they do a great job. It's, it's in no way, shape or form about, <laughs> it's in no way, shape or form about saying, it, you know, it's, it's not putting people into a position they don't deserve. It's putting the people who deserve the position into the position they should already be in. So it's a no brainer. Thank you, thank you. And I, and I think that that is, that is really, really important to, to say that, you know, it's it's not really about like oh okay well it's it's time to just start putting people places it's like no it's more time to recognize you know what people have already been doing and you know just kind of giving that uh, giving people who have already been using their voice a voice and yeah. helping you know leverage and level the playing field and i'm glad you actually touched on you know just the 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 patriarchal nature of you know just the way that things are structured so so yeah yeah I'm sorry. I yeah. <laughs> it's a, I, I really think in every way, shape and form, it's one of the most important things we can do in a, in a human sense, in an environmental sense, in a creating harmonious systems that are truly, you know, representative of the people. Um, and I think just in every way, shape or form. And like you said, it's about Giving, you know, putting the people who have already been doing this for decades and years into those platforms. And, you know, I have to be honest, as a, as a white male myself, when I first started to try to, like, switch over my, the stuff, the initiatives that I was sharing, I actually thought there weren't many Black people that were talking about these issues that I was talking about. But now... I realized I was so wrong. It's just that they weren't getting the voice and the media for me to be able to find them. Now that I've really actually done the work, it's endless. I mean, there's I've I've found there's thousands, thousands, thousands of people out here. And I think that's something that even I realized, like, okay, well, you have the bully pulpit of being, you know, a per person in a public office. And, you know, maybe it is time to, you know, do our due diligence as opposed to, you know, kind of you know, having the, you know, just, just folks that you mentioned, you know, the patriarchy and dismantling that patriarchy and looking at how, you know, it has been, you know, steeped in just like, 
you know, internalized sense of, okay, well, um, actually, this is going to be the voice of who is an environmentalist. And, you know, these other voices, they're just not out there, but it, it's more, we're not necessarily hearing them, we're not really looking for them. And, you know, it's there, I mean, even just embracing minimalism, um, I found so many groups that are Black minimalists, Black women minimalists, and, you know, perspectives in living with less and, you know, even having conversations around because of, you know, systemic injustice and, you know, because of the social determinants of health and all these other things, other factors, minimalism has kind of been a lifestyle for a lot of Black people um, just because of just, just the nature of, you know, what some barriers are to getting access to things, especially living in food deserts like Detroit. Um, and so it, it's just really being intentional about like what we're what we're looking and what we're seeking. And you know, I think it's really important that you also touched on, you know, it's not just an, an America thing. This is worldwide because a lot of times the burden of, you know, uh, environmental irresponsibility is shifted onto the global South. And these are, you know, the formerly known as the third world, but it's really emerging markets and developing economies where most of these folks tend to be people of color who are then taking the garbage and, you know, it's going to places like China and India and African countries where, you know, they're, the environments are suffering because of capitalism and because of, you know, a patriarchy that is steeped in this sense of, you know, Eurocentrism and colonialism. And with that capitalist system is also, you know, this consumerism and, you know, why do we need to consume so much? And, you know, we also have to face planned obsolescence where, you know, it's just going to go obsolete. So just go buy it more. It's consumerism. Buy it, buy it, buy it. But it's, when you buy it, you never feel fulfilled. And I think I feel more fulfilled when I'm owning less and able to just go places. I know I've traveled in Europe and I've always just kept one or two things and I'll just wash them out. And, you know, I'm just so happy and carefree when I'm just backpacking around somewhere and I have only what I need and not a lot of things that I have to, oh, I got to watch my suitcase because I got those 10 outfits in there that I didn't even end up wearing. So, yep. yeah, I think that's just really important. I'm so glad that, you know, you are a part of the fight. And, you know, there's allyship here to for you to be able to, you know, not only lend your voice to this cause now as well, but to also be a person who is, you know, right there alongside, you know, the rest of the world and recognizing how important, you know, it is because I think social justice is economic justice. And, you know, also, environmental justice is social justice so it's it's yep. it's one in the same it's a it's a difficult world we live in there's you know so many working pieces and there's so many elements so it really does require critical thinking and it really requires a lot of thinking to get to the real roots of the problems and really really solve these issues and make make a better life for humanity it's difficult because you know one easy thing for us in the united states to do is we could like try to make this a more equitable country by taking more resources from other nations and we could feel good about ourselves. But the reality is, is that we may be doing that in a way where we're just creating a less equitable world where we're actually stealing from other countries in Africa and Asia and kind of 
continuing that racist way of existence where we extract from from them but we can leave that out because mentally it's easy to focus on just what's around us and so it's so important to go deep even within our work here in the united states with environmental and racial and social justice to make sure that what solutions we're applying are actually solutions for people on the other side of the world who are indirectly involved in our actions here. Right, right. And I love that you, you know, you, you just talked about like the, the kind of invisibility. And so, you know, in what way would you as um, an activist who's really working towards, you know, just your life is revolving around that. And I really have been meaning to like, I'm like, as soon as I talk to him, I really want to ask him about that sweater, because <laughs> I really want to, you know, find that, that sustainable sweater that is going to stand the test of time. And I would only have to own one like you <laughs> and, you know, just just kind of, you know, make sure that, you know, th those are but um my my main question is what would, what kind of pressure would you put on people like me you know with lawmakers with you know your elected officials to tell us like hey this is what you need to do you need to create community gardens or create a sustainability commission and you know what kind of you know how can the community be educated on creating a more sustainable city city because i really want to know how i can not only uplift the people here to ask me for more, but how to be able to fight for more for them. So, you know, in yeah. your infinite wisdom, <laughs> what would you tell me to, to do to really be able to protect and fight for the planet? Yeah, well, first to answer your sweater question, I just got this, it's a wool sweater. I got it for $12 at a thrift store and it's got holes in both of the elbows and I just keep sewing those up. Um, and so, you know, it gets the job done when it, when it wears out, I can compost it cause it's wool and then I could buy another one at a thrift store. So, um, but as far as, you know, what to do in the community. So, you know, the big thing is that every community has different needs. Um, every community has to look at the, at what they need to change or what they're doing well, that they need to continue in order to create a more sustainable and just community. But at the same time, there are threads that run through much of our society um, that are really, you know, common themes and things that are causing this separation in our communities and this destructive destruction. Personally, I do really think that food is one of the big ways that we can change our communities. Um, I have just seen time and time again in the many different communities that I've worked with is that connecting people with their food at the source changes them on an individual level, changes the communities, changes the way that those communities uh, interact with the world around them. And so I think, you know, one thing that can be done in a governmental level is helping to create, to create and uh, empower the initiatives that already exist to create a more local food economy. And so in cities, there is, you know, the abandoned lots, the parks, and, you know, there's such, in a lot of cities, Detroit included, there is enough open, unused space to produce a majority or more than all of the fruits and vegetables needed for everyone in that city. Oh, so we're sure. talking about, you know, food insecurity, 
a solution to food insecurity. We're talking about real jobs that are meaningful and where people feel a sense of purpose in them. We're talking about a massive decrease in our negative impact on the environment by outsourcing that food growth and having to ship it in. We're talking about less cars on the road that are bringing in food. We're talking about increasing our quality of our soil. We're talking about uh, rainwater runoff being lessened because we have soil that will actually absorb it. We're talking about reducing our greenhouse gases. So, you know, and those are just a handful of things. There's so much more. So on a simple level, it's those initiatives and those programs being allowed because in some places they're not allowed by local municipalities or sometimes larger municipalities, um, but then actually given an equal chance, I mean, if we go on a bigger level, which is not something that local locality has as much to do with, but that would be government uh, the subsidies. So right. if we equalize subsidies that are given to corn and soy and big ag, to local agriculture, that would shift our entire nation. So, you know, locally and nationally, changing the food scene, that one thing, changing the food scene would change our nation. And our food scene is an incredibly racist system. You know, when you get Driscoll's strawberries that are shipped from uh, California to Michigan or Wisconsin, those are sprayed by pesticides with migrant workers from Mexico who have multiple times higher rates of cancer and respiratory disease. And when we eat those strawberries, we basically say those Mexicans' lives matter less than ours. We're fine with them poisoning themselves just so we can have strawberries from California. And the same goes for tomatoes from Florida where they're being paid like, you know, just un completely unlivable wages. And that basic and the same with meat packing plants all of our large scale food system is 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 a is a racist food system so targeting our food system is targeting our environmental problems and our racist system at the same time i really think that it it's one of the most massive things we could change in our societies Thank you. Thank you for that. And I think it's really important that people know that, you know, not only are these systems not regulated in ways that really protect the workers, um, but it, it's also, you know, it kind of perpetuates like this mistreatment of, you know, just what we're putting into our environment. And, you know, especially with meatpacking, I mean, not only are the animals treated inhumanely, but then the employees are just, you know, especially during COVID, you know, there were so many complaints about, you know, just, well, there are not enough, you know, safety precautions. They're not providing masks. They're making us get in packs closely together when there should be social distancing. And, you know, so these things are being in, ignored. And so, you know, I really think that it's really important to push back against, um, you know, special interest groups that are really going to go to town for and on behalf of big corporations that you know just practice these these you know policies that are steeped in racism are steeped in a sense of you know people don't matter when they're on the lower rungs of the socioeconomic totem pole and or have a dark skin you know and it's like people of color and you know these voices they don't matter so you know, i think we really have to push back against that narrative and this is why you vote for people you vote for people to represent you and you know if i can't be that 
then, I mean, what am I in this office for? So, yeah. you know, it's just, um, I think it's, it's really important to be able to have more conversations with voices like yours. And I know like initially when I reached out, you were like, I don't know, I don't know all the politics stuff, but I'm like, but you, you are the environmental voice and, you know, you are that, that, that person that I can learn from and, you know, to really, not only because I feel like I'm such a fan girl and I've been just like showing your videos to everybody and telling them to like follow you and, you know, just like, look at what this dude is doing. And, you know, I, I feel like in, in every, I'm trying to like replace little things and then just, just to really, really kind of embrace this lifestyle and I'm getting there. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's really, really important for us to know that there are little ways that we can, we can help, we can, fix the problems and we can really just kind of fight for a better planet and um, then also other issues that are connected to fighting for a planet and um, I remember I was in a um, I started hosting a lot of uh, zoom uh, social justice and anti-racism kind of workshops in the community and I was surprised to have people coming from the UK um, who were black Britons talking about having their you know their women um, black women having their voices, you know, not heard, and they felt really marginalized. And I had never really heard too much from a black British perspective. Mm -hmm. And there was one particular woman who she said, "I am, I am really an avid environmentalist, but it's always overshadowed by mm -hmm. some microaggression, by some slight, by people paying attention to the color of my skin first and discriminating against me." But then mm -hmm. my message on environmentalism is lost. And so I, I felt like that was really powerful because we do want to talk about these things. But, you know, you have to fight one battle first before people even listen to you. Um, and to your point about, you know, food and bringing people together, um, I started a micro granting community dinner where, you know, small business ideas are given little grants um, to be able to you know, just get into an actual brick and mortar or to go out there and start a business. And it's, um, it's a soup dinner where, you know, people from around mm -hmm. the community just come together and then they pay for soup, they eat their soup. And most of the ideas that were pitched at that very first, um, you know, Harperwood soup, they were all about, you know, just fair food local gardening, community gardening, vegan and plant-based um, food alternatives and, you know, adopting a vegan diet and eating healthy. And, and it was just like every single one of the ideas. And cool. it, well, it was just a coincidence, but this is what people want. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, so I was actually really surprised, not only did, you know, so many people gather together with complete strangers and neighbors that maybe they normally wouldn't interact with um, over food, and that was locally made. It was like a big potluck and everybody came together um, to support, you know, just, just the local economy. But it was all of these, you know, food based, you know, kind of ideas that were the ones that were, you know, just out there and people wanted to uplift them. So um, I think that's yeah. uh, I think you're on the right track there. I think that that sounds like a great program. And, you know, with a lot of these initiatives, just a little bit goes a really long way. These micro grants can be extremely uh, productive. And, you know, for a lot of these little initiatives and these people that have an idea, a thousand dollars to them can, you know, create a community composting program or a small right. community garden where like other people with a hundred thousand dollars wouldn't even barely accomplish anything. And 
I really think that's one of the most powerful things we can do is uplift these small initiatives led by people uh, in our communities. Right. So, well, thank you so much for coming on. And everybody, you can find Rob um, at robgreenfield.org um, on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and, you know, just just some of the other, you know, what are some of your closing thoughts on, you know, just, just the future of our world? I mean, 2020 has been quite a year. Um, we have been under this administration, um, removing ourselves from a lot of, you know, the, the we're talking about now removing ourselves from the World Health Organization, uh, the, the Paris um, uh, Climate Accord. And, you know, there have been a lot of just, you know, very selfish moves that kind of are not really thinking about the planet, but are thinking about the corporate bottom line and, you know, just really perpetuating that capitalism that only serves, you know, a few at the, you know, just, just, at the, 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 the demise of everybody else. And so, you know, what are some words of positivity, especially even with the, the COVID-19 pandemic? And we're seeing there's a rise in zoonotic diseases like, um, you know, the coronavirus um, across the world. And, you know, it's becoming a problem. And so what what is your positive message? For well, my thought and, and what keeps me going is, um is if our administration is going to do less, ask yourself how you can do more, like use it as motivation, you know, create a balance by every time you see less, bring things up. Now, of course, you have to work within the resources that you have. We have to take care of ourselves. Like self-care is so important. We can't burn ourselves out. Like you and I were 34 years old. Hopefully we're doing this for the next 50 years, which means we have to, we have to take care of ourselves. Right. And, you know, there's some people out there where they don't have a lot of resources to give. They're just struggling to get by. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, you know, I just, I just want to say like, if you have the resources, if you feel like you have the time and resources, then spread those resources amongst your community to uplift the people in your community and make an investment in your local politics, in your local community with your time and the resources that you have. And use this as a time to, to double down on, uh, on making that change. Use the inspiration of our utterly despicable current political system to be the best you that you can be in your system in, in whatever way that is. Again, it could be as a politician, a local politician. It could be as a teacher. Um, it could be as a babysitter taking care of kids. It could be uh, as an activist or uh, a custodian or a person who helps people cross the street, uh, you know, in anything that you do. Um, so, I, you know, although Although this year and many of the years before this are reason to be down, it is also a time when we, we can lift things up. Um, so in many ways, we are, we're blessed with this time. If we want to be change makers, we're in the right time to be a change maker. Oh, for sure. Thank you. Thank you for those words of wisdom. And that was really, truly beautiful. Um, so yes, be the change you want to see in the world. And um, thank you so much for, for being a part of this interview and, you know, enlightening me 
and I get to, you know, be all fangirl and be like, give me a song, give me a song, give me. <laughs> well, now that, um, now, that, uh, now that we know each other, now I know you're in uh, Michigan, I have a reason to visit Detroit. So I, I hope oh to... Gosh. I hope to come visit Ernestine and um, maybe we could do one of those grant dinners together. That'd be great. Oh my gosh. Yes. And you know, I'm going to uh, hold you to that. And uh, so, so yes, yes. Um, I even thought about, there's some lots around my community that may be building a tiny, tiny house and just having a nice garden, you know, so. (laughs) Cool. I will keep in touch then. All right. All right. So I'm going to stop our recording now. Bye everybody. Cool.